Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 414. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hello. Hi. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the first two entries in Lee Janiak's Fear Street trilogy. We'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be very helpful. With that being said, I think we can just go straight in. Straight in. No housekeeping to go over. Right into the review. So, Lee Janiak, who I'd say is a friend of the show. She's been on the podcast before. She did the movie Honeymoon, which I think... Did you... I can't remember. Did you like that? Man, it's been a while, so I don't have a a very strong memory of it. But I remember being interested she does after that okay you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it was, it was it was interesting enough that i was looking forward to see where she went got it and yes. i was surprised to find out that it was the fear street trilogy which i learned like a little bit before we decided to cover it mm-hmm. so this is based on the rl stein book series which was a little bit lesser known than goosebumps obviously but i remember really being into fear street as well when i was when i was a kid like i remember that that fear street was for the older kids so i kind of i kind of wanted to get into fear street more than goosebumps because even though goosebumps was specifically targeted for my age at the time i was like knowing that fear street was there and it was for older kids. I just naturally wanted that one instead. But the stories were, you know, more like about teenagers and just involved like slashers and stuff like that. So what we have here is a, a trilogy of films. Parts one and two are out now on Netflix. Well, we'll talk about part one first, since that's the one that uh, released a couple weeks ago takes place in 1994 so it's fear street part one 1994 it should be noted that lee janiak directed all three of the movies which i think is definitely a plus so it that's like that's what put me over the top is seeing that she directed all three Mm -hmm. yeah uh i have a synopsis here in 1994 a group of teenagers discovers that the terrifying events which have haunted their town for generations are all connected and that they may be the next targets. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of Fear Street Part 1? I gotta say, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Um, again, going back to me essentially learning about this like a day before we decided to, to cover it, uh, interest was peaked, Lee Janiak. I was like, I know that name. And then, you know, finding out who it is. Interest was peaked. Finding out that she directed all three, interest really peaked. <clears throat> and then I got locked in with finding out that they were all rated R. I was like, oh, okay. This, is, this could actually be something that's legit. And uh, I got to say, with part one, it was uh, immensely satisfying. It, it ticked off a lot of boxes. Uh, you have the opening in a mall, which I don't know why, but horror movies taking place in the mall just works i hope i'll watch any any movie that takes place in a mall where people are being murdered oh 100 percent agree i love mall movies 
It's just like the the mall is the perfect place for murder. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just the perfect arena for late night murder. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think that it's because it's it's so big, it's sprawling, and then there's like it's dark. So there's kind of there's kind of creepiness built into a mall where it's closed down and all the lights are off, and then you have like things like mannequins that are that could be yeah. around. You have like. You know, potentially there's like a sporting goods store that has like weapons or something in it. There's just so many opportunities with a mall. And I feel like it's just really, really easy to just stay there. Mm-hmm. Like they shut it down. You just you hiding, you know, like if your mom's shopping for clothes and you just get in the inside in, in the in, clothes in the rack, rack and you just, yeah, you just hang out in the bottom of the rack. You just got to stay there. Yep. <laughs> should do that as an adult sometime. <laughs> get inside the clothes rack. <laughs> Just to see yeah, what would happen. Just, just to do it again. Just to do it again. One last one last go. One last hurrah inside the clothes for, rack. Yeah, for old time's sake. Your bucket list. Check off the box. Uh so yeah, back to the Fear Street Part One. It starts off strong. Uh it does feel a lot like a Netflix movie in the sense that it's it's very rapid fire mm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that it's 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 set up for the algorithm. It's set up to hold you in for like 10 minutes. And then if you decide to turn it off, it still counts as a click. Yeah. As a view. <laughs> like you can tell because they play like 18 songs. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's nuts. It's a hell of a soundtrack. The, the three fourths of this budget for both of these movies is just licensing. Oh, yeah. Big, big, big songs. Like, they, they they like went through the billboard. They probably just looked at the billboard chart for 1994 and just picked like the top 50. And we're like, that, that's our soundtrack right there. Well, and I think also, I think a good number of these songs were like not 94. They were 95, 96. But anything that was like in the vicinity, they're just like throw it in there. I, I wondered, yeah, I wondered about that as far as the song selection, and I was thinking about looking it up, but then I was like, you know what? No, no I don't even care. I don't care enough to to get the continuity of the dates right. Yeah, because uh, I had to, this prompted me to listen to The Prodigy again, which has been a long time, and that was 96, I think, mm. that album came out. Fat of the Land? Was that the name of the... <clears throat> I'm uh, pretty sure. I think that was the name I of just, that. They had like Firestarter that, and Smack My yeah, Bitch Up. I remember that being like insane to me in terms of like a ton of stuff going on. And then I listen to it now and I'm like, oh, this is pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. I actually listened to The Prodigy not too long ago as well. Like uh, just a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I went through I went through this like kind of 90s electro like techno pop phase. And I, I think that was a huge help too, with this being 1994, just the n- nostalgia factor. Yeah. There was a lot of nostalgia for sure on this. So we were, we were 10 when this movie takes place and the nostalgia was there, but I didn't think they went overboard with it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't too egregious with the, uh, the date, no, because most of it is just in the music. Yeah, I thought Outside it was fine. But I mean, there there were lots of fun little winks and nods to the era, like the clear phones. Like that was 
that's a big thing. Like my my family had a clear a clear house phone. Yeah, the computer chat room. Oh, that was a. I was like, damn. I mean, you're talking shit on your dad never being around, but no wonder he's working two jobs. Wasting wasting that AOL money. Yeah, you know how expensive that shit was back then. That they actually did mention that, which I thought was funny. How she she complains and she said it. I think he said he was like using the neighbors or some something like that. I can't remember what yeah. his this, excuse this, was. This town, this town is. They were forward thinking back in 1994. I would just sign up for trials, for like free trials of AOL, and just keep doing that over and over again. Oh yeah, you you got how many discs in the mail? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie, too. I thought it was a really fun kind of supernatural slasher. I like the idea that there were, like, multiple slashers in here. It, yes. It felt, uh, it felt very re- reminiscent of Stranger Things or It, like that kind of style where you have a, a group of kids going up against uh, an evil so it, it very much had that vibe. There was like a, a kind of a slight Amblin feel to to it, which I thought I was totally on board with. Uh, yeah, I liked. I didn't like the main character. I didn't really like her too much. I did like the brother. I thought oh, the, bro- that oh, the, the, the brother, brother Benjamin Flores Jr., uh, who's oh, Josh he's MVP. He's MVP. Yeah, I thought he was great in it. I was surprised at the level of gore. So yes. it starts off pretty tame. And and see that that's what surprised me. So it's it starts off with, you know, there's there's people getting killed, but the kills are not like over the top. Like too too over the top, you know. There's there's like stabbings and stuff, but later on in the movie when some of the main characters start to get it, they they ramp up the 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 gore level to a surprising level honestly yes yes yeah and i i i found that 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 caught me off guard and was is was very welcomed i i agree i i thought that it was it was it made it more fun like when you have the kind of over the top craziness it fits within the context of this story it's not I mean, it's not a horror comedy per se, but there's a lot of really fun elements in it. I think that it does lean into like just the over the top, goofier nature of of a slasher movie, and I thought it was really fun. Yeah, and especially considering the fact that you take it over the top by having not one slasher but multiple, like mm-hmm. the entire history of serial killers from this town. Just all coming back, which to me, like, I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't know that that was going to be the thing of this movie. And then when it was, once it was set up, I was like, I, I love this, I think. Like, I just love this idea of serial killers across decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Co- all coming back and working together to kill one person. Yeah. It's just, it's just I, I love that idea. It's a great idea. I yeah, I think that the, that this movie plays with a lot of really cool concepts. You have a slasher element, you have uh, a supernatural element. There's witches in here, so th- th- it pulls in. It pulls from a lot of different subgenres, and I think that it does it in a really cool 
and fun way. And I also, I, I like the, the, the lore of this. I like the, the yeah. idea yeah. that there's this town that's cursed and you have that. So the town that it takes place in is called shady side. And then right next to it, you have sunny, sunny Vale. Is it or sunny yeah. Dale, sunny Vale, sunny Vale. And it's this sort of classic, uh, you know, rich, rich neighborhood versus poor neighborhood, this class divide type of situation where everybody looks down on the shady side kids and they're the ones who were like the druggies and that's where all the murders take place. And then the Sunnyvale kids are like the rich preppies. So you have that going on. You see more of that in the, in the second one, but yeah, definitely plants the seeds in uh, part one. And I like I like all of that too. And I think that just the the backstory is I think it's interesting enough and they added enough elements to it that I think make it easy to expand the story into three parts without it feeling like too too stale. Where the where I think it's interesting that they added the the last part first. Sort of. Right, like, because ninety four is the first part, but that's as modern as it gets. The second part is yeah. seventy eight, and then the third part is going to be sixteen sixty six. So they're going to go all the way back for the third part. Yeah, you're going, you're going back to the origin with the third one, and the culmination is the first one, which I did find interesting because there was a part of me, I, you know, there was a little bit of me uh, the end of the first one the way in which they set it up essentially like the end of the movie is kind of like a trailer for the second movie, which didn't really work for me, but you know, you can just, I, I think you discount, can, you can discount it. You can just be like, okay, they, they know what they're doing. They're setting this up as a trilogy. Of course they're going to do like a little advertisement. type. Yeah. Deal. I, I don't, I actually don't even consider that in part to be part of the, the movie. I, I think that it is like literally a trailer that they, just stick on there like next time on fear street like that type of thing yeah and i gotta say i really like because going back to the you know the the history of this culminating in in the first part of all these serial killers coming to kill the best part about this the thing that i find very interesting is that they're only interested in one person yeah. They have a laser focus on one person. Everyone else, and they know this, they know that they could just, you know, just stay out of harm's way. Just keep the blood off their hands, off their person, and they're okay. But they don't do that, which I found, you know, normally I would be like, oh, you fucking idiots. But it's understandable as teens. It's a you plan. Know, you're, you're so, you know, you're so into your friends. Like, that is your, that's your group. You know what I mean? Like you're just starting to get independence. You have your friends, and your friends mean everything to you. And I, I like that aspect of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with this overall. Um, it did start to lose me in the in the latter portions, but at the end, I, I it 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 did bring me back, and I was I was yeah, because it starts you. You know, you start to lose a little bit, and then the bread slicer machine is introduced, and you're like, "Are <laughs> yep. they actually going to use the bread slicer machine?" And uh, oh my god, they do! That final, they, yeah, I mean, it 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 was starting to weigh on me a little bit. I was like getting a, 
I don't want to say I was getting bored, but I was just like, all right, um, I don't know. It feels like we're in a lull here. I kind of see where this is going. But then that final, like, culminating scene happens, and you're just like, all right, you brought well, me back in. Well, and I think that's the thing, too, is that there's a little bit of a lull, not in a sense of, like, the body count has become stagnant. Right. It's that, like, it, it felt, in a sense, that the stakes kind of leveled off like okay this isn't as as big as i was thinking it's gonna be and then things escalate to the point where you're like oh okay we're killing people that i didn't think we were gonna kill yeah okay like sticks are much higher now yeah it's yeah they do they do some really interesting things with it i i i was really hesitant in this this whole thing is a, a like being able to stitch these three things together and i was like is it gonna feel too much like an anthology is are they gonna feel too separate from one another how are they gonna handle the fact that it's going in reverse chronological order because like and i think that we can use this to transition into talking about the second one we already know who dies in the second one at the beginning right like so so you're starting the second one already knowing basically what happens so my hesitation with the second one was like, is it gonna is it gonna have as much of an impact, knowing how this is all gonna play out? Because so, you have uh, Gillian Jacobs who is introduced in the in the first one in '94 as the sole survivor of a a massacre that that happens at a at a summer camp in 1978. So we already know like that she's she's the the only one or one of the only ones who makes it through. Yeah. And but but I got to say for part 2 um that it didn't actually bother me. Like I wasn't affected by the fact that I knew that all these people were going to die because and I think that's just because that's the nature of a slasher movie. Like I think with most slasher movies you can go into it knowing that only one or maybe two of these people are going to make it through. Yeah. And you can Usually. pretty easily, and you can pretty easily determine who that person's going to be. Yeah, because you have the rules, you know, throughout the history of this this genre. You know, you have the final girl. So mm-hmm. early on, you can usually pick out who the final girl is going to be, and that everyone else more than likely is going to get it. So this the part two, which came out uh, this this past weekend, it. As I had already mentioned, it takes place in 78. It's at this camp called Camp Nightwing, which I believe is... I don't know if... It, is it, like, in between the shady side Sunnyvale? Because it has both... Kids from both places in it. Yeah. But I can't quite... It's, it's, so it's basically the location of the mall in the for, in the part one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you have the... Uh, Basically, Gillian Jacobs, the young version of her, who is uh, played by Sadie Sadie Sink, who you probably know from Stranger Things, and she plays the this uh, camper who has to go up against uh, basically the same killers as the first one. Yeah, I did Pretty like much. that we got to see the origin of one of them in this. Yes, yes, thought that was really cool. And I th- I think that was the 
one of the most interesting things to me. Be pleasantly surprised with the first movie, where I was like, okay, I'm actually into this. Like, th- this first installment was pretty damn good. Mm. And knowing that you have 78 and 19, or uh, 78 and 1666 as the next two installments, and I'm looking at it like, okay, I like this idea of having, in terms of horror movies, like what's popular. You know, you have the 94 version, which has a lot of popular elements all rolled into one. 78, you have, you know, all the camp movies kind of rolled into one. And then 1666 looks like it's going to be like all the folk. Full car. You know, yeah. yeah, you know, like the old timey, the witch, that type of deal, you know, rolled into one. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Lee Janiak kind of like interprets these these moments in the genre itself. So coming to 78, I'm pretty excited because I'm like, you know, these camp stuff, like another thing, killing people at camp, pretty damn good. I I might think that that's better than a mall. I, I think it's better than a mall. I love, I love camp movies. Like, yeah. I mean, the sleepaway camp series, the Friday the 13th. I mean, so many things. Great. And, so and just camp movies in general, like the like meatballs yeah. and like just camp comedies and stuff. I, I love camp movies. So I was pretty excited for this one. Now, I will say that this one was a little bit of a letdown in terms of like a large portion of this. There's not a whole lot going like this one really takes its time getting going. Um, and there was just for me, there was some weird. Like speed ramping almost. It's like the the special effects in terms of like the kills and stuff early on just mm. looked atrocious to me. Like like especially the first kill just looked very weird. Yeah, they would do odd. like a slow mo thing and then speed it up. Yeah, it just it did not work for me. And this is the one where I was like, oh man, like I'm kind of feeling let down by this this R rating that I was initially somewhat excited about until the end of the movie. And then I was like, okay. Uh, they pick it up, yeah. That's uh that's a like really bleak way to end this. <laughs> Just the slow mo I like extremely bleak. And I wasn't quite prepared for it. And it kinda it kinda got me in terms of just like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, these like this whole town is fucked. Yeah. Like, there's nothing they can do. It's yeah, it. Which which is funny because I feel like that there's a little bit of a tonal shift that happens with that where the movie plays like a, you know, campy, no pun intended there, a camp slasher movie. And then at one point, like, it, it gets pretty damn, pretty damn serious. Yeah. Which, which it, was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it worked on me because that really got me in terms of like, okay... Much of leading up to this was maybe not my cup of tea, or I wish things went differently, you know. But uh, this pretty much makes up for it, just about. Because man, it is bleak. Yeah, I for me, I would say that part two is pretty much on the same level as as part one. I will agree with you that that the build up was slower. It was a little bit of a slower burn. But the thing is, like, 
I like camp movies, so I was totally fine with like the the pranks and like the the color war stuff and like the douchey counselors and all of that. So I was yeah. I was fine with with all of that stuff. I wish that I understand that you want some kind of like stylistic consistency throughout these these three movies, but because each one is sort of drawing from a specific time in cinema and a specific subgenre. I just kind of wish that maybe she switched it up a little bit as far as the visuals. I kind of wanted it to look more like a seventies camp movie. Like to me, uh, there was a, an American horror story season. I don't know if it was the last season or what, but it took place in a summer camp. And like, to me, that looked like this. They, they, the two looked the same in that, like, yeah, it took, takes place in 78, but this looks like a very modern movie that, that is, was yeah. shot to look like 78. I just wish that maybe they use some different cameras or even just add some filters to make it look a little bit more dated to, to sort of just hammer in that, that style. But other than that, I thought that it was it was fine. I mean, there were some really fun. I mean, I, I guess this one was certainly more serious than the last one. Like, there was definitely comedy in this, but and, and I maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like there was more levity in the first part compared to the second part. I think so. I think yeah. I think the levity in the first one is kind of constant throughout. Yeah. Where here in in this one, it's it's kind of front loaded. And then things kick off and it's, it gets serious and it's not funny anymore. No, you know, definitely not. Things, things get very serious. Yeah. I mean, this one has an ax and kids are getting killed. A lot of children, a lot of children die in this one, an entire camp full of kids. And I was slightly disappointed. There was a part of me that was like, this is kind of tame because you're not showing any of these kids getting killed. You're just inferring, you know. Yeah, you, Kevin wanted the child death, the gratuitous child death. Throw it in there. Why not? Let's do it. It's 2021. <laughs> yeah, we can show we kids show, dying. On we can show that. We could show the aftermath where there was body parts everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's see. I mean, it looks fake as hell anyways. I was bummed about the first kid that died because I like out of all the kids that were going to die, I didn't want that kid to die. And the yeah. way that this ended up I was like, please don't kill him, not him. Yeah, that that kid. Course. Yeah, that kid's awesome. He was uh, he was already having a rough time at camp. I think he's on a show. Is it Pen Fifteen? Maybe I have no idea. Yeah, Pen Fifteen. Yeah, that's Is it? okay. That's that's where I know him from. Yeah, he's great in Pen Fifteen. He was great. He was great in this too. Yeah, he gets a little, little bit of screen time. Yep. And then, and then his body parts get a little bit more screen time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for him, <laughs> sucks for him. Yeah, I, I, I liked this one. I would say again, I would say like a pretty, pretty much on the same level as as the first one. I love camp movies. I, I like that she's playing with conventional styles and themes and stuff like I I don't mind that she's working within genre tropes I, like I'm perfectly fine with that because I think that 
she's telling this story in her own way and and that even though it falls into tropes that's very intentional and i think that it's still it's still telling a really interesting story well and i think too from the outset knowing that this is a rl stein right based series like you know that this is going this is the aim of this is just to be highly entertaining for a large audience Mm -hmm. which i'm not necessarily against as long as it does have that that kind of feel of the you know like a like a stephen king yep like you said you know amblin you know that type of thing where it just taps into that that undercurrent it'll work for me. Like I might not think that these are like, Oh man, these are just high points of cinema. You know, that's not what I'm looking for going into this. I'm looking just for a good time. This one's a little bit of a letdown, but I think overall, both of them, I enjoyed myself while watching them. I, yeah, I can't really choose which one I liked more. I I liked them both pretty, pretty equally. So I, I think that they're both, both worth Looking at, I think that they're both different enough, and I think that they, even though this one is essentially a prequel to the to the first one, I think that there's enough new material here that it does push the story forward because we still do, even though this takes place in '78, we still do get to see uh, the '90 more of the '94 stuff. So where this picks up is directly after like right when the first one ends so it does move the plot forward and i suspect that in the in the third section we're going to get more of that too where there's like almost bookends so it almost feels like a little bit of a, an anthology but not not quite i'm also interested in because you know the the part two does kind of the same thing where it has that that stinger trailer mm-hmm. at the end where it looks like the cast. It's the 94 you know, cast, the, yeah. Like all all the people. Oh, yeah, yeah. To be Actually, yeah. Because that was the one thing about part two. While I did like the new cast, there was a part of me that was like, man, I really liked the 94 cast, and I kind of missed them a little bit. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how 1666 is handled with everyone being there. I'm just wondering, because the thing is with like folk horror, there's like no comedy in that. Like that is a hundred percent. Like just grind your emotions into the ground. Like just so bleak and horrible. And I'm wondering if it's going to be lighter than typical folk horror, or if it's, if they're going to lean into that style really heavily. And like, cause I mean, it looks just from the little stinger, it looks like it's going to be very serious. Like it's going to, yeah. it, it, which it's going to grind your could, bones, which kind of makes sense in the sense that this is something that's been affecting this town since 1666. At a certain point, you just come to terms with it and just find the humor and the fact that your town's cursed. Yeah. And there's going to be a murderer every like what's, eight years 10 years Mm -hmm. something like that you're gonna someone's gonna die it's just everyone's gonna die so you're just like oh whatever (laughs) we just accept it yeah it's small town i just do drugs and drink like fuck this yeah what's the point exactly you're 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 
you're screwed either way. You're born in shady side. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be very curious to see where they go with 1666. I think that what we'll do is we'll wait until next week and when we talk about the the last part and then we'll give scores to all of them together. I feel like we all really right. need to sort of evaluate the whole thing as as like one project. Yeah. In order to like kind of accurately give it a dumb arbitrary score. Yes, definitely. But I will say part 2 uh that ending. My god. What a choice. You know, like <laughs> it, it it didn't it didn't really I felt like it didn't really coincide with a lot of what what happened previously cuz I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't supposed to pack as big of an impact as it as what it did, but just the fact that like it lingered and it lasted way longer than what you would expect. Yeah, it's just a lot. Yeah, a I mean, lot. it was just yeah, there it was intense for sure. It was yeah. All that right. was That is uh, Fear Street Parts 1 and 2. Both are available on Netflix now, and I would recommend checking both of them out. And the third part is going to be dropping this Friday. So, by the way, love it. I wish every trilogy of every movie did this exact thing where it's week, every week is the next part. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to wait a year to get the next. If you're going to do a trilogy, Shoot them all at the same time, release them week each week, be done with it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about someone watching. One movie that I think we can both briefly mention is No Sudden Move. That's this mm-hmm. is the new Steven Soderbergh one that that uh, dropped on HBO Max. It yes. stars uh, Don Cheadle, and Benicio del Toro, David Harbor's in there. David Harbor, having a, David Harbor's having a good run. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I just saw him in, in Black Widow, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But Brandon Fraser? Brandon Fraser is in this. Uh, in, yeah. I just, like, I didn't realize that I missed him that much. Right. John Hamm's in this too, and Kieran Culkin is as well. And Amy Simetz, friend of the show. So many friends. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of friends. So, this, uh, this was a, this was a pretty good one. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed No Sudden Move. I I loved the I mean, if you're into double crosses, if you're into movies that have lots of twists and turns and double crosses and triple crosses, this movie is like it goes overboard with the double crosses. I mean, it's insane. Everybody's double crossing everybody in this and I kind of loved it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's got a solid care. It's everything that you would expect from a Soderbergh movie that entails you know, either, you know, some type of heist or mm-hmm. some type of job, you know, you get the team together and you got an incredible cast, great performances. Uh, the only downside is that it's ugly shit. It is the is really, worst, maybe the worst looking movie I've seen this year. I hate, just, I it's hate awful. it. It's awful. I don't know what he was doing. I, I didn't really look into it. I'm sure that there's like an article that explains what he was doing, but it's he uses some kind of lens it's it's it almost looks like a fisheye lens now i'm wondering if it was like a lens that like an old lens or something that he wanted to give it some kind of old-timey look but it's shot on digital as far as i can tell and so it has this like digital look but it also has this really weird fisheye where anybody who's in like the outer edges of the frame is 
all like skinny and distorted. And then as they get in closer, they like get more squished and it just looks so bad. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know what he was thinking with this. Like it just clearly it was an experiment. He was trying to go for something with it and it just did not work because it's just horrible. I just, I hated it, especially like during movement. Anytime the camera would move, you're just like, Oh God. Yeah, it was especially uh, jarring in the opening with Don Cheadle walking, yeah, you know, essentially across the entire city to get to his location in the beginning, and it was you know stationary camera that kind of you know does a little swivel move as he's walking by, and you just you realize like the outside edges, everything gets distorted and warped, and then it changes like as he walks by, and the the camera pivots, and you're just like, oh, I hope they don't do that throughout the entire movie and you quickly learn that they do <laughs> it's do the whole that. yeah it's the whole thing yeah and you're just like this is i don't like it i just don't like it at all i mean i, I feel like maybe it's a it's a lens that that could have could have worked in like certain situations but i almost feel like you have to be you would have to be so meticulous with your framing if you want to use a lens like that and have like character like character interactions and you would almost all have to have it be like a static shot too. You wouldn't be able to really move it much. Yeah. Cause that's just, when stuff looks pretty wacky when, when it's moving around. Yeah. It's just, it did not work for me at all in terms of, you know, visually speaking. Yeah. I, I yeah, I really, really hated the look of it. It was, it was jarring. It was so distracting. Just looked like utter shit, but the movie was pretty fun, so I I enjoyed uh, where it went, yeah. and I, I liked the, I, I yeah I liked I liked how it all turned out. I like where it went in the final act, but it it seemed very very fitting for the way love, that the way that it unfolded. And I love I just love what it's about. Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely fun. So uh, I would give it a light recommend just. Just based on that, those horrible visuals, which just such a huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, what else do you got? Uh, the only other thing I watched is The Birdcage from 1996. Oh, wow. Mike, Mike Nichols finally got around to this movie. I just remember this movie being huge. Oh, yeah. It was huge. It's a fucking huge movie. Mm-hmm. Right? So I finally got around to it, and I was somewhat excited because you got a hell of a cast here: Robin Williams, you know Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Dan Weiss, uh, Hank Azaria, Callista Flockhart, uh, some fucker named Dan Futterman. Who the fuck that guy is? <laughs> and it's great because he shows up, and I'm just like, yeah, that name really fits. He just looks like a Futterman. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder like what happened to, to Dan Futterman. But uh, this is really a product of its time. Uh, it was really funny at times, especially Nathan Lane just being just being out of Nathan control. Lane. Yeah, he's just like he's he's great in this. That like you know Robin Williams trying to teach him how to be a man, and he just fails a lot. Just there's. A number of instances where this movie is just laugh out loud funny, but 
also just doesn't work in any way, shape, or form. Just like a real product of its time. Especially like everything with Hank Azaria's character, you know, him being Guatemalan mm-hmm. and just being, you know, like just some of it is just really cringy. And then it just kind of quickly gets wrapped up at the end, which was kind of unexpected for me. Like I knew where it was going, but I don't know. It just kind of surprised me that it didn't, that wasn't more drawn out of, uh, you know, Gene Hackman trying to get out of the apartment. It was just kind of like they came up with the idea. You knew what the idea was going to be because, oh man, it's goofy. And then he gets out and then it's just movie over. Like, (laughs) Oh, I was not expecting that. I thought we had, I thought we were going to do more here. So, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable enough. All right. That is the bird cage. That's one that we'll have to cover on, say, by the 90s at some point in the future. Uh, yeah, it's such a 90s movie. Yeah. My God. Uh, all right. I saw Black Widow. This is uh, came out in theaters this week. And I think it's one of those, like, Disney Plus things where like you can pay extra to watch it at home okay like 30 bucks or whatever uh it's not worth 30 dollars i'll tell you that but saw it in the theater this is directed by kate shortland who uh she did lore if you remember that one came out in 2012 and she did somersault from 2004 uh so this is your pretty typical marvel movie i don't really have much to say about it. Some of the action is fun. Some of it is a bit too over the top for me. Like just really, just really wild, really wild set pieces. Like there's this giant fight where everybody's falling through the air. So there's this like giant air base that's like blowing up and fall and pieces of it are falling. And there's like a shootout in the air and they're like landing on falling debris and fighting in the air and it's like that's insane like how far how far up are you guys like what's going on here it's just i don't know just a little a little bit too over the top for me in some some regards uh certain aspects of it were really fun florence Pugh's character is great in this she's funny she's a badass loved her character i think that they're kind of setting her up to be the new Black Widow, it seems. Uh, I, I know that she's going to be back in the uh, the Hawkeye series. So I, I think she's going to be back. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, great as always in the, uh, the lead role. And then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, David Harbour's in this. He plays this... Um, the Red Guardian, who's like basically the Russian version of Captain America... Mm-hmm. And he was like sort of, sort of uh, Scarlett Johansson's dad, like not, like not really. They were it was like an assignment, so he was like pretending to be her dad for three years. Um, it's too long. It's like over two hours long. It's like two two hours and fifteen minutes long, just like every other Marvel movie. So it's it's just it's too bloated. Um, they probably could have eliminated maybe one action sequence but the fight scenes are well choreographed uh and uh yeah so i, I would give it like a, a super light recommend it's pretty much exactly what you would expect but it is entertaining nonetheless uh and that's you, you said you didn't have anything else right no that's it that's all i got all right um 
so I uh, I was flying this week. Uh, it was so I loaded some stuff up on the old iPad to watch it. Uh, the Ice Road was one of them. <laughs> this is the one directed by Jonathan Hensley, and it's a it's a Netflix movie with Liam Neeson. It's an action movie, and it's like it's about a guy who he's an ice road trucker, and there's a mining accident where a bunch of miners are trapped and they're in like a diamond mine or something and they have to get this part over to the mine quickly so so they hire liam neeson who's this this badass ice road trucker to get it over there and sort of like sorcerer like i I would kind of compare it to sorcerer where there's like you know, lots of treacherous things on the way. The ice is breaking, and then there's like one of these people double crosses them, and well. it's bad. But it's like the perfect kind of like just turn your brain off and and occupy your time for like an hour and a half. That like that type of movie. Okay. So if you're looking for that, you know, like a background watch, something to put on at night, plane on a plane, it's great tell you that right now it's great on a plane oh interesting uh dynasty warriors is another one that i saw this is also a netflix one this is not great on a plane uh not i don't know why but it, i just wasn't feeling it on a plane it's directed by roy chow hin yun it's based on the uh, popular video game series and i think they do a pretty good job of translating it honestly like i wasn't sure like how, how are you going to translate Dynasty Warriors, I mean, you would think, like, you could easily translate it because it's just about big war, like a giant war, Mm -hmm. but what they do in this, the thing about Dynasty Warriors, if you've ever played it, is it's so over the top with, you know, your one character is, like, murdering tens of thousands of people, like, mowing through armies in the game. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they translated it pretty well into the movie because literally... Like the the characters, that's what they do. <laughs> so like the moves, the stuff that they do in this in the movie, it does the same stuff where like he'll like like one of the characters will have like a big sword or like an axe and they'll like smash it into the ground and you'll just see like a thousand people flying through the air and they're all getting struck by lightning at the same time. And it's yes. complete it's just completely over the top. And if you've if you're familiar with the games, you'll know that they have this like hard rock soundtrack this like this really generic butt rock they bring that into this so yeah so so it has this like really like almost like this generic heavy metal soundtrack to it and it just it's completely over the top and it's it's pretty fun just don't expect a lot out of it the cg is really hit or miss on this one too uh the final one that i'll mention is summer of soul this is the documentary that's uh, directed by Questlove, and it, yeah. it's uh, it's on Hulu. So this is a Hulu doc, and nice. what it's about is the uh, Harlem Cultural Festival that took place in 1969, 68 or 69. I think it was 69. Um, what this was was it was basically it's considered Black Woodstock, and. It was this enormous festival took place in Harlem. It was completely free. And there was over 300,000 people that attended this thing. So it was massive. But the crazy thing is, uh, 
no no footage of it has ever been released. So they shot a movie or, or, or tons of footage to turn into a movie similar to what they did with Woodstock. But, yeah. but the footage was, they never did anything with it. It literally just sat in a basement for 50 oh. years. So nobody ever saw this footage until I guess Questlove got a hold of it and put it together and created this really uh, well-crafted concert doc out of it. And one of the cool things that he does is, so he gets all, pretty much a lot of the surviving performers who, who played there and people who, were, who went there. Um, a lot of them were like kids when they went there. But what he does is he shows them clips because none of them have seen this footage either. So like he'll yeah. show them the clips and then like sort of film the reaction. And a lot of them like get really emotional out of it because they're like just remembering what an amazing experience it was and stuff. Yeah. So it was just this really great, uh, just added thing that he, that he did with it. It's, it's a great documentary. I would highly recommend it. Um, and like, if you want to see, like if you're, if you're into the, like, 60s R&B soul there's a lot of like Motown in this too um it's it's definitely a must see because there's performances in here that I think that probably nobody's like ever seen before and they're, they're like big like big acts like Stevie Wonder's in here I didn't know Stevie Wonder played the drums but like he does this freaking insane drum solo in it so it's yeah it's definitely worth a look and again, it's on Hulu. Would you, would you suggest watching it on Adderall? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. At the Strand? Yeah. Take some Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably work. Definitely work. That's it. I don't, for whatever reason, because of that one time watching Monterey Pop Festival yeah, on Adderall. I remember. Any, any, any concert movie. I'm just like, probably have to watch this with Adderall. <laughs> I, it's I probably don't. the best best practice i remember i remember that experience it's good stuff yeah uh i think you would you would probably like it a lot i think you would yeah uh i was looking forward to this one i did not know that it was on hulu so i'm very excited now yeah Yeah. all right that's a that's all i got wonderful Let let me stop this all right let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week uh, the wide release one is Escape Room Tournament of Champions. This is a sequel to the Escape Room movie. I I didn't hate Escape Room. I was just like a bit middle of the road on it. I'll probably check this one out just because there's really nothing else. But, you know. Ring an endorsement. Yeah, I mean, I like Escape Rooms. I like that. The I think they're fun. But the the first movie I thought didn't really... Didn't really wow me. All right, let's see what else we have here. We got Space Jam, A New Legacy. That's also getting a wide release. I forgot about that one. That'll be on HBO Max as well. Oh, boy. This looks so bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, it looks It looks so bad. Like, why would they... Completely unnecessary. It bothers me that they made them all CG. Yeah. Like they, I guess they don't at the beginning. Like at the beginning, they're two D, and then they, when they enter like whatever dimension, it they turn into CG. And I just, I don't know. Make them two D if you're gonna do it. 
do it right. Um, in limited release, we have Great White, the shark movie. We got Pig also. That's the Nicolas Cage truffle pig movie. Uh, yes. Ho- hopefully we'll be covering that one. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, same. Uh, on VOD, coming up this week, on the 13th, we have The Green Sea. Uh, we have, and then on the 14th, we have Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Pretty excited for that one. This is shaping up to be an, a really good week. Mm. Not interested in Gunpowder Milkshake? Uh, maybe. Action yeah. movie with a really solid cast. Yeah, it does have a good cast. Okay, it's got to dip big bad wolves. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. This was on All my right. anticipated list two years in a row. So. Oh, gee, am I? Now, now I finally get to see it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, it is on Netflix, so I'm pretty sure it's going to come out. Also, on the 14th, we have The Final Ride. This is some kind of horror movie. On the 16th, we got Out of Death with Jamie King and Bruce Willis. It's like an action thriller. We also have Fear Street Part 3 coming out on Netflix. And then, as I had mentioned, Space Jam is going to be on HBO Max. I feel like we have to do the third installment of Fear Street. Like It would seem odd to just stop. I was thinking about that because at first, because at first I was like, well, should we, should we just wait and do them, do all three of them? But then I was like, well, no, because then we don't really have anything to talk about. So yeah, we, I guess, yeah, we, we have to commit to this. It seems like, yeah. Mm. All right. uh, On Blu-ray this week, we have the pianist from 2002. That's going to be on the shout factory shout selects line. Almost famous. It's going to be coming out in 4K. Looks like there's a steel book for that also. Snatch is coming out in 4K. Wrath of Man. That's the, other, that's the newer Guy Ritchie one that came out earlier this year. That's, that's coming out. I'll check that out. It's on VOD now too, so yeah, I'll give that a rental. Mortal Kombat's coming out. That's the new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. We have... Man, there's a really, really cool steelbook version of Snatch. It's got a really cool cover. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the Warriors is getting the ultimate director's cut. I don't know what that means, but I hope it's not the one that they came out with uh, several years ago that added the stupid comic book panel things. More of that. The director wanted that, too, so it might be the same. This is the dumbest idea ever. I can't believe they did that. Well. Tremors 2 Aftershocks from 1996 yes. coming out. Yeah. Odd. I think uh, there's a bunch of Tremors movies coming out because it looks like Tremors 3 and 4 is also coming out. Yes. Uh, they're all bad. Don't, don't see any of the Tremors sequels. I love Tremors, but man, just the se- all the sequels are horrible. Planes, uh-huh. Trains, and Automobiles from 1987 is getting a new Blu-ray release. Classic. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love that movie. Bunch of Marvel stuffs coming out, like like sets. So it's like Iron Man three movie collection, Thor three movie collection, Ant Man two movie collection, Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. Oh, combo packs. No, thank you. Nah, no, same. All right, that's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? Oh, oh man, we got two. We got Bill Duke's Deep Cover. 
Uh oh. With, with Lawrence Fishburne from 1992. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, buddy. New conversations. Oh man. Never saw this, I, but I, I want to. I, yeah, I love this addition to the Criterion Collection. And then Lizzie Borden's Working Girls from 1986. So two new ones getting added to the collection there. Exciting. Yeah. Lizzie Borden? Isn't that the isn't that the woman who like killed her parents or whatever? Yeah, she's also a film no. It's just the <laughs> It's the same name though, right? Yeah, it's the same name. Okay, I was just making sure. Definitely yes, definitely the same name. Alright. Alright, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your topics and questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.